how are we going to reopen the states after the coronavirus? Simple question, but many answers. We've heard the adults, but now it's time to listen to the kids. Hi, this is Benjamin Wong, and you're listening to Kid CEO. So joining me now is Utaf Gupta, who is 13 years old, and 15-year-old Noah Golder. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're doing good. Thank you for having us on. Yeah, um, I can't wait to hear your guys' opinions, and uh, it'll be fun. Yeah, me too. Um, so we'll start with Utaf. Utaf, lay out your plan for how you would reopen the states. And Noah, you're welcome to jump in at any time. We should, the whole country, um, should stay on lockdown until at least close to the end of July, about three months, probably longer than that. This means that everyone should stay at least six feet apart from each other at all times, and gatherings of more than eight people should not happen in one place at one time. Everyone, except for essential workers, must work from home. And in public, everyone will be required to wear some form of a mask to protect these essential workers and other civilians. Then, if we develop a trustworthy defense against the pathogen, like a vaccine, um, it should be allowed that small establishments like floral shops or convenience stores uh, can open. These establishments should still require masks to employees and customers, and all employees must also be required to wear gloves. They should all also be required to regularly sanitize their products and store every three hours. They will not also not be permitted to have more than five customers inside the store at one time. Um, once these establishments are opened, places like schools, movie theaters, or stadiums can be opened if a vaccine is developed. From there, the economy will start to open up and the nation will officially be out of lockdown. Mm -hmm. So basically you're saying that, you know, we should stay home until the end of July, that's what you said. And by then we can open some small stores, but everyone should still be required to wear a mask and it should be required that everyone keep washing hands and other special responsibilities, I guess you could say. And you're also saying that schools and concerts, so, you know, large gatherings should be reorganized, maybe into a virtual form of it until we can get a vaccine, correct? Yeah. Okay, uh, Noah, do you wanna respond? Yeah, so the two main factors that we're looking at here is public health and of the economy. And we need to find a, a solution that best incorporates both of these variables. Waiting until August, or like Utsov said, even farther than August, will result in increasing numbers of unemployment. Right now, the unemployment is already at 14.7%, which is the highest it has been in the United States since the Great Depression. Waiting until August or further will further fuel this unemployment, will further fuel the starvation of many people who don't have jobs and their kids as well. Waiting until further in August will further fuel this weaker education that many kids are receiving through distance learning. And you even said that schools aren't going to be opening until a vaccine is implemented. The most experts think that a vaccine will not be, not be implemented until mid-2021. We cannot wait one more school year until we begin to open up schools. This education is not the same. This learning is not the same education that people get when they're in schools. In addition, 
waiting till August or further is also sacrificing the mental problems that many people are going through. According to CNN, over 75,000 people are at risk because of mental problems as a result of this coronavirus pandemic. In addition, the governments might not be able, because of the weakened economy, the governments, state governments, will not be able to meet the same quotas of their budgets, which could sacrifice the health care of other people. And so we really need to open earlier than August. Oh, sorry, Utsaf. I forgot to give you some time to explain the reasoning behind your plan. So you can do that now. So the reason I believe that we should wait so long before we start opening up is, one, the best events, uh, according to experts against a viral pathogen, until we develop some kind of vaccine, is to socially distance. Although coronavirus does not kill most of its victim, it is one of the most contagious diseases we know. It is twice as contagious as the flu, according to Vox. And by keeping a distance from each other, we prevent the virus from spreading to weak individuals in the community that um, can be especially affected by the virus and ultimately killed by the virus. The virus often does not show symptoms for a week, but it can still be transmittable during this time. And this is the reason that we need to socially distance because often people get the virus and they don't know they have the virus. So they continue to go out in public spaces and continue to affect other people, even though they have the virus. If we end social distancing, we demolish our best defense and weapon against pathogens. This is a huge blow against the populations and the civilians. We cannot um, afford this blow. My second reason behind my plan is that taking down social distancing measures will almost surely cause coronavirus cases to rise significantly. The reason I say this is I'd like to bring up the example of the Spanish flu pandemic from 1918. Two different cities in the nation implemented two different measures against the pandemic. For example, St. Louis, Missouri took significant measures at the beginning of the pandemic, going into lockdown and telling all residents to stay home and closing down businesses. However, they reopened after only two months of lockdown. The cases skyrocketed and they were forced to close down again. Hospitals were overwhelmed with Spanish flu cases for weeks. On the other hand, New York City, once they found out about the pandemic, immediately closed down and stayed on lockdown for almost four months. Their case count was significantly lower than that of St. Louis, Missouri. It's pretty clear that this was a direct result of their quick and lengthy lockdown. If we reopen too soon, the same thing will happen in the U.S. Many U.S. states are opening right now, but other countries like Italy are staying locked down. Statistically, the U.S. has the most coronavirus cases. This is not a coincidence. Other countries that are staying on lockdown, their cases are curbing and the growth is decreasing. However, in the U.S., the number of cases is still growing exponentially. This definitely is not a coincidence. My third reason as to which we should open later is that reopening states now will overwhelm medical departments causing them to collapse and resulting in an all-out pandemic in the U.S. that may be comparable to Black death numbers. Many hospitals right now are already overwhelmed. As of right now, according to CNN, 20 states do not have enough beds for all their cases. Hospital beds, one thing that all patients should be allowed to have and 
times of need and illness is something that many states are not able to provide. If we reopen, we risk having so many more cases that we will completely overwhelm the medical industry. It will collapse and the pandemic will continue to grow, causing the economy to collapse even more, resulting in the country's overall destruction. If we stay closed, however, although we hurt the economy, we keep the lives of our civilians safe and we allow for the country to move on from this horrific event. You gave a great example with the swine flu, I think is what you said. But how can we compare something that happened almost 100 years ago to something that happened is, is happening now? Uh, Noah, can you give me your take on that? Yeah, so Utsav was giving an example of the swine flu that happened uh, in 1918. Uh, like you're saying, that is not, you can't compare something that happened in 1918 to something that is happening now. Right now, we have so much more better technology. We have more medical supplies. We have more data. Uh, we have this all this new technology with phones that we're using now. And back then, they did not have the same technology. In addition, the swine flu affected more people. Uh, right now, the coronavirus is affecting mostly uh, the older population. The swine flu affected more people. So that is also uh, not comparable. So I forgot to give you some time to respond to Utsov's comments about his plan. Uh, no, would you like to do that now? Yeah, so in addition to his comments about the swine flu, um, I would also say that social distancing, I agree with him on the fact about social distancing. It's very important to make sure that we are staying away from other people. My plan is not directly taking away social distancing. It is a gradual transition to social distancing. Uh, he also talked about Black Death comparable numbers. Black Death was much more deadly than the coronavirus. It wiped out one third of European population. You can't compare something like the coronavirus. And in that time, that was primitive times. They had barely any medical technology. They didn't even know what the heck a vaccine was. And so that is also not comparable along with the swine flu. I would agree with his point about medical supplies. Yes, it is very important to make sure that we have enough medical supplies to deal with the virus. And part of my plan is incorporating that and making sure that we are prepared before we reopen. Like Usof said, states should not have reopened that did not have those things under control. I see where you're coming from when you say that what we're going through right now is not comparable to the swine flu. And I believe that it is comparable to the swine flu for one major reason, that the coronavirus is much, much more deadly than the swine flu ever was. Although back then we didn't have good, a good medical industry to aid people when they became sick, we do have it now. So the deadliness of the coronavirus almost balances out how much more developed our medical industry is now when we compare it to the swine flu. So in that way, we can compare the two pandemics and learn from the results of the swine flu pandemic to prevent the same things happening right now in the U.S. And no, you pointed out a lot of problems with Utsav's plan. You mentioned it a little before, but how would you do it better, Noah? All right, so uh, going into my plan. First of all, I want to mention that my plan incorporates uh, much of Deloitte's guide for executing the COVID-19 recovery. And Deloitte is a big four consulting company that has helped a lot of companies in the past to strengthen their, uh, their assets and to better their company and have a lot of trained experts. 
So a general overview of my plan is due to the increased economic, mental, and social burdens ravaging the United States, we need to make sure that we are opening as soon as possible. However, before this gradual reopening can be enacted, certain medical and statistical quotas have to be met. Therefore, reopening could be anywhere from a few weeks to a few months, and we will not be able to return to completely normal until a vaccine is widely implemented. And that is in agreement with Usopp's plan, that part about the vaccine. As of now, there are two main variables in the, my plan to fight the coronavirus, public health and economic stability. We must do our best to formulate the best possible solution that balances both of these factors. And we need to make sure to do this sooner than later. In terms of economic problems, like I stated before, unemployment rate is rising. 20.5 million jobs have been lost in April, according to CNN. In terms of public health, over 77,000 deaths in the United States uh, as of Sunday, and over 1,274,000 cases on the coronavirus in the U.S., according to the Center for Disease Control. Children have even begun dying in, in New York because of this uh, mysterious coronavirus disease. In addition, these two issues are kind of intertwined and become one issue for the well-being of America. Economic issues plunge, bleed into the public health sector because of possible starvation and malnourishment, as well as mental issues. And then public health sort of transitions into economic issues because as more cases rise and people die, people begin to lose trust in the economy and numbers plummet. So before I go into my plan, I need to mention first what we're looking at right now. Right now, 40 out of 50 states have partially reopened, and two more are planning to partially reopen, according to the Washington Post. As states start to reopen, cases are beginning to rise. States that were not prepared should not have started to reopen. It is too early right now for most of these states to reopen, and I believe it is a mistake for them to have already begun to take off social distancing uh, measures. What I would say is that social distancing and staying at home uh, should continue until certain prerequisites are met. And this includes a one to two week downward trend in new cases and deaths, according to Deloitte, because this trend will show that the state is effectively fighting the coronavirus. And we, we need to make sure that they, we are not fueling the fire, releasing social distancing measures when the cases are increasing. In addition, healthcare capacity is very important. Austria, which is one of the leading countries in coronavirus, has made sure of this before opening up, and they have only seen a 0.2 increase in daily cases. Third, we need to make sure that we have aggressive testing. Testing is the best way to curb the spread of the virus because it will create more accurate data and models, and it will isolate those people who have the virus. Testing also includes contact tracing, where we are looking at those people who have recently been effective, and then we're testing those people that have recently come in contact with. It also includes antibody testing, where we can get those people who are temporarily immune to the virus back into the world. It also includes mass testing, where we can gather more data and use that data to better formulate our plans in the future. So after these three prerequisites are met, downward trend, healthcare capacity, and aggressive testing, we can begin to start to reopen small and less crowded entities, including restaurants, bars, personal care services, and we need to make sure that we are still maintaining six feet apart and basic sanitation measures are still met. After this phase one, we are looking towards phase two. We will use the data from phase one to reopen larger entities. And then phase three is when we have the vaccine and eventually returning to normal. 
Yeah, that's very, very interesting. Um, Utaf, I'll give you some time to respond. So um, you said that we have to balance what we're doing to mend the economy and what we're doing to aid public health. But I think at this time, while we don't have a reliable vaccine, it's effectively impossible to perfectly balance these two factors so that they both benefit the civilians of the U.S. In some cases, we need to choose one over the other. We can't have both without having a reliable defense against the pathogen. You also said that aggressive testing is one of the best ways to curb the spread of the virus. And it is definitely one of the best ways that we can attack and defend against the virus. It still isn't as effective as social distancing is. In fact, over time, we're actually seeing that it isn't as effective as we previously thought. For example, in South Korea, according to AP News and CNN, renewed COVID-19 outbreaks are occurring in uh, Seoul. It seemed like uh, South Korea was on track to deal with the epidemic and seemed to be on track to loosen restrictions. But after weeks of social distancing measures and surveillance, new cases have cropped up in Seoul and other areas of South Korea, which threatened the country's stability and also demonstrate to us how aggressive testing isn't actually the best way to curb COVID-19 cases. Right now, if we don't stay on lockdown, we will meet the same fate as uh, other Asian countries, including South Korea, are facing right now. Our only priority right now should be to save lives, not to save the economy. This is the exact reason that people should continue to stay on lockdown and stay at home because it is the only reliable way to keep people safe. And so far it has been effective. So that's why I believe that we should stay on lockdown. So just to get this clear, NOAA is prioritizing testing and increasing medical capacity while UTOF is more valuing social distancing, correct? Yes. As a general assumption, I guess you could say NOAA is generally evaluating having a quicker reopening while UTOF is prioritizing to play a little more, little more safe and waiting a little longer, correct? Yes. And so now I have some questions for both of you and a disclaimer for the audience. They haven't prepared these questions. So number one, how long do you think it'll take for us to get a vaccine? I agree with experts that it's probably going to take a while for us to develop a vaccine. Even scientists who are working on the vaccine still have to comply with social distancing measures. And it's definitely going to take some time for us to develop a reliable vaccine. Like Noah said, it'll probably be until mid-2021 that we develop a good and trustworthy vaccine that we can apply to the public. So Utah floated one year. Utah, uh, Noah, your take? Yeah, I would say the same thing. Um, fledgling or easy uh, to implement vaccines may occur uh, later this year, but they are not going to be trustworthy. And a really reliable vaccine that can be widely given to a wide array of people will not be able to be implemented until mid-2021, according to BBC. This has been further reinforced by Dr. Anthony Fauci, who has been a leading voice in this coronavirus pandemic, and he agrees that a vaccine will not be implemented until mid-2021. So I would agree with Utsuk. 
and both of you guys balanced your plans around the realistic idea of getting a vaccine. But what about the, in my opinion, unrealistic idea that you might never get a vaccine? Are we going to live like this forever? We should have faith in our country that uh, we have so many medical people working on these, so many experts working on fighting the coronavirus and developing that vaccine. We even have the CEO of Microsoft, Bill Gates, who has been a leading force in this operation. And we should have confidence that they will eventually get it done. We always have, as a world, we have always risen out of pandemics. And we will, with this coronavirus, the same thing will happen. And I, although it is extremely, extremely unlikely that we don't develop a vaccine that will be able to quell the coronavirus cases, we can still rely on an idea called herd immunity, where um, once enough people become infected with the virus and are able to surpass it and become healthy again, they will develop a, an automatic immunity. Once we have enough people in society that have this immunity, it, it will be once again safe to go outside in public places cause, because we will have this herd immunity. Yeah, I also agree with that, the immunity. So on to our next question. Um, this is the ones about the economy, which you guys both talked about. The Dow Jones Index has dropped about 1,500 points since March, the beginning of March. And that's about 9%. For the listeners, the Dow Jones is a list of a bunch of the largest American companies and is used by lots of investors to see how the market's doing. How long do you guys think the economy will take to recover? And I'll let um, Noah speak first. So the economy will probably not be solidified until we eventually get a vaccine. But as we begin to understand the correct way to open up the country and our plans begin to succeed, then people will have more confidence in going back into the stock market and investing. And this will eventually help our economy recover. Recently, there was even a spike in the economy. And this spike will continue as long as we make sure that People have confidence in these new plans that will become effective over will become effective over time. And I agree with Noah. Once we can develop a stable vaccine and people can go outside and begin to socialize, and we don't have to worry about the pathogens spreading in public situations, the economy will begin to recover pretty quickly. Where uh, the U.S. is quite a large country and we're um, extremely developed as well. So the economy will not take too long to get back to where it was pre-COVID-19. I think about a year from now is a good estimate, like Noah said. Yeah, that's some very good insight from both of you. Um, obviously, as a country, we are not prepared for this virus. I think we can all agree that. What can we do to make sure that we are prepared for future viruses and make sure that this doesn't happen again? And I'll give it to Utsa first. I think one of the biggest things we have to get rid of before we can begin planning for another pandemic is that we have to get rid of the racism that's going around in the world right now and the division that's going on because of COVID-19, because of different governments blaming each other recently. Uh, actually, the state of Missouri sued the government of China for keeping the coronavirus under wraps, in a word. But I think 
the biggest thing we have to do is we have to stop this division. We have to stop getting mad at each other and we have to come together and we have to start preparing for pandemics in the future. And the best thing I think we can do to prepare for pandemics in the future is to come together maybe in a UN meeting and write down a plan, a global plan for what we can do in case of another pandemic. And we should also make sure that every country that is vulnerable to a pandemic have the facilities and abilities to have the equipment and test and enforce social distancing in its population. Um, I would agree. Definitely, we should, in a time where we have uh, political parties, the Republicans and Democrats, warring against each other and constantly criticizing uh, each other, this is not a time to promote division. We really should be promoting unity and not be blaming the virus on other countries like China. We should make sure we come together. And then one other thing is that we can't take these notifications for granted. So earlier in the year, the U.S. and other countries were informed of this rising pandemic. We cannot take this thing uh, without seriousness. I believe our president even referred to the virus as a hoax initially. We need to make sure that we are taking this pandemic seriously. And we need to make sure that we also already have a predetermined plan in place so that as soon as we hear about the hint of a virus or a pandemic, that we will make sure to follow those guidelines and be confident in our plan and not be wishy-washy and be rushing to implement a, an ineffective plan. Thanks to wrap this up. Both of you guys gave uh, different plans and had some disagreements over some minor details. But what I can take away from this is that both of you guys are really valuing the idea of unity and that now more than ever, we should not be blaming others and instead trying to help them. And I think that that's a really, really great value and something that I personally value a lot as well. And so thanks so much to both of you for coming on the show today and giving your take on this topic. Thank you so much for having us on. Yeah, it was amazing and really insightful. Yeah, I'm glad you feel that way. I feel the exact same. Thanks, guys. So you heard it from them. Who do you agree with more? Usopp's talking about opening up at least at the end of July and slowly start rolling things out, while Noah's talking about opening up much sooner. Utah is playing it more safe than sorry, while Noah's taking some risks. But as we all know, sometimes risks gain better rewards. Give me your take on the subject, and let me know if you like this type of episode and want to see more. See you next week! Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Kit CEO is ready for you to listen every Sunday at 7 a.m. with a new and exciting idea. To stay up to date with all things Kit CEO, subscribe and follow our Instagram page at Kit CEO Podcast. This is Benjamin Wong signing off. Have a productive and innovative week. And thank you so much to this week's audio editor, Talia Rahman. The views expressed in this episode are personal and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Kid CEO podcast.